Thanks for joining us for a podcast from the Illinois Early Learning Project. Our project is part of the Department of Special Education at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and funded by the Illinois State Board of Education. On this podcast, we share information about how young children grow and learn, as well as strategies adults can use to help them thrive. My name is Natalie Danner. Welcome to the Illinois Early Learning Podcast. Today, we're talking about childcare during COVID-19. This is the third podcast in a three-part series, so be sure to be on the lookout for part one and two that have previously been recorded. Today, we're joined by Haley and Bob, parents at the Child Development Laboratory at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champions campus. The CDL is a National Association for the Education of Young Children, NAEYC accredited, early childhood program and lab school for 160 children ages infant through preschool. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Haley and Bob. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So today we're eager to hear from both of you as parents because our listeners want to know your perspective during COVID-19 for childcare. If you can start us off by telling us a little bit about your child or children that attend the center, such as their age, character traits, and interests. Sure, um, we have three children. Uh, our oldest is Maeve, she's um, four, she'll be five in about a month. Um, we have Julia, who's two, and then Charlie, who's just about eight months. Um, Maeve is definitely our sort of inquisitive child. She's um, really into learning. She's a verbal kid, um, real busy. Right now, she's really into art and creating things. Um, so she keeps us busy and on our toes. Um, she loves school. Um, often will say to me, Mom, don't pick me up so early because um, she wants as much uh, school time as possible. Uh, Julia is a little bit of um, different from Maeve. She's a little bit quieter a little more sensitive. School's a little bit of a harder sell right now for our two-year-old, but um, really likes, you know, playing with her babies and listening to music and making little Charlie laugh. Um, and Charlie's just sort of our happy eight-month-old who likes to laugh at his older sisters. <laughs> so you have a couple of children. So which ones are the ones that have attended CDL or have all of them? All three are actually currently... Um, currently enrolled. Um, Julia's been there since she started um, as an infant. Charlie started when he was three months old and Maeve joined when she was um, just about to turn two. So what happened to your childcare at CDL as COVID-19 began in Illinois last spring? Can you walk us through some of the changes that took place? Yeah, um, it actually sort of um, just blew up overnight. <laughs> One day they were going to school and the next day they were home. Um, it actually coincided almost exactly with the birth of Charlie. So um, it was crazy time. Um, I was on maternity leave, so it ended up just being all of us at home um, with an infant, brand new baby, um, sort of hunkering down for three months. Um, we, gosh, I mean, it took both of us to care for all three of them all day. Um, you know, Maeve, like I said, she's a really busy kid and really enjoyed the um, engagement and interaction of her peers and her teachers um, all day. So, oh my gosh, we'd wake up in the morning, we'd have to try and make a schedule of 
for what we were going to do for the day. And, you know, everything from craft time to story time to walk time to snack time. Um, we did our best, but um, we had no, you know, backup childcare and our, our families are not close by. So it really was just us sort of getting through. And um, of course, like Charlie had all of the newborn needs. And um, so it was busy and. Uh... Yeah, I'll jump in and to say that the other piece that was really interesting about that period was that um, Haley had expected it to be a maternity leave and she expected it to be the time that she got to spend um, bonding with with Charlie exclusively and the other two, Maeve and Julia, were meant to be at CDL at that time. And it was literally the week after we got back from the hospital. Um, you know, actually he had to go back for a treatment for jaundice. And then, and then, you know, a couple days later is when the stay-at-home order came down from Governor Pritzker and and CDL closed and all of our lives, uh, you know, professionally uh, got thrown into the kind of um, interesting improvisation that happened last spring. So, you know, so it was kind of like this, um, you know, interesting gear shift and yeah, improvisation that, that especially Haley had to do. I mean, with losing that time with Charlie and, and, and having to sort of, um, you know, figure out how we would, the two of us manage our very busy other two kids along with the new baby. It was really intense. It was, it was quite a, quite a moment. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of different moving pieces for sure. And during that time, you said the CDL was closed for a period of time. But there was also a period of time where they were unable to serve regularly enrolled families, but they were serving essential workers. Did you go back at that point or did you go back after that point? So the timing actually ended up just being coincidentally, I went back to work on June 1st and I believe that was the day that um, all of the students were sort of able to come back in some fashion. So we didn't use the essential worker um, piece, although we may need to use that in the future if um, things change. Um, but yeah, our kids went back June 1st, which just happened to be the day that I went back from maternity leave. And just to note, Haley does work at a hospital. And, and so that was, um, it was going to be at the time when um, uh, we were planning Haley's return to work, we were going to bring back Maeve and Julia uh, to a school that had just a handful of students. And then um, and then the, the, the new regime came in and everybody was welcome back. At right. CEO. Yeah. So. That kind of worked out well for your family at that point in time. So I'm glad that that was something that not only did they have the opportunity for emergency childcare for essential workers, but they also kind of quickly came back to that point where they were open to all families. Right. So I, I do know that in CDL that virtual learning was available during a period of time as well. Did your child or your children participate in that part of the schooling? They did. It was about as sweet as you can believe. <laughs> it ended up being like the highlight of the day. <laughs> it was just this, you know, maybe 45 minute period where the kids were um, on a Zoom with their classmates and their teachers. Um, 
oh, it was really something. I mean, just to see these little people interacting with their peers who they missed and, and especially their teachers who they really missed, they had such a connection with. Um, we as parents really enjoyed that time. And I think the kids did too. I mean, you know, they're little, so they were, you know, not always so verbal on the call and the teachers did such an amazing job trying to like lead group time and ask questions and do singing. Um, it was remarkable and really wonderful to see. Um, I mean, even both Maeve and Julia's teachers sent um, them little videos just saying like, we miss you. And to this day, they watch those videos on our, our phones because they just love them so much. So the, the connection um, was so important, so vital, I think, during that time of like isolation where they were so used to being you know, with people all day. Yeah, that's one of the questions that our listeners and our readers really have a lot of concerns about is that virtual learning for very young children, how does that work? But it sounds like there were a lot of successes from your perspective as a parent. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, I'm not sure how well like they would have learned math over, <laughs> over Zoom, but <laughs> definitely like, it was wonderful. I mean, like I said, the connection was vital and it really perked them up. Um, I mean, it was, I was like choking up try, watching these Zooms half the time because it was just so sweet. And you could see like the real love from the teachers. They so missed the kids and they, I mean, just the reading stories to them and singing songs. It was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was really, really something great. <laughs> and there, and, and our kids are not at the age really where, um, where you know sitting in front of a screen is actually all that interesting well maybe they're kind of peculiar in this connection it actually goes to one of the observations that we've made, made many times about our particular experience in quarantine which you know we we had sort of you know read in the media and heard in the media a lot of parents expressing concerns about oh there's too much screen time there's too much screen time well even our four-year-old um doesn't seem for whatever reason to have an attention span for for shows or for video games or, or whatever, we were actually really gratified that she took to the Zoom uh, conferences and had fun with those because, because so often we, you know, I mean, kind of in spite sometimes, I mean, uh, in spite of our own instincts, we would, we would be trying to kind of encourage her. Can you, you know, take a half hour with the, with the computer here, Maeve? And um, yeah, anyway, the, the, the Zooms turned out to be just such a special thing for, for her as well as for her sister, the two-year-old, Julia. That's great to hear. I know that that's a concern for many people to think about uh, screen time and young children as well. But to have that idea of screen time as connection versus screen time as kind of a, a babysitter experience is a very different perspective of screen time. And I think that's really important is maintaining those connections to those really loved ones when you think about it, when you're talking about the teachers of young children is really those special relationships that children have with those adults and keeping that connection alive because young children don't really understand when things get closed very quickly and they don't have that opportunity to talk to their teacher or their friends anymore. So glad to hear about that. So when you did go back, you it sounds like you went back in the summer, is that right? Yes. So how did you make that decision to go back? Oh gosh, it was 
it wasn't so easy, although, um, you know, we didn't really feel like we had that many options. Um, you know, we really, I needed to return to work and, and it was just sort of, um, you know, time we had, I, we had to do something for, you know, to help with childcare. We were, you know, we were nervous about it. Um, there were some concerns, of course, we didn't want our kids to get sick and we didn't want our kids to make anyone else sick. You know, lots of kind of thinking about it and hoping for the best. Yeah, and we had to weigh, you know, having spent the first three months or however long it was of the quarantine period together taking care of them, we had to sort of weigh the, I mean, we did have the opportunity. We are in a lucky situation relative to my job. I'm, I work at the university as a professor and, you know, so the summer months are relatively flexible in terms of obligations and places I have to be at specific time. So there was the opportunity to, to keep them home longer if we felt very strongly about that. And so, you know, we did really have to think it all through, but, but it would have been so difficult, right? It, not only difficult, but I don't think it would have been good for them. They had really run um, kind of into their limit or reached their limit of, you know, the, I think the isolation of it, the, the sort of monotony of it, the confinement of the springtime for them had taken such a toll that that really made the decision a bit clear for us. It was, it was as much as anything else, a, a sense that they needed that they needed to get back to school. They had missed it so much and they missed their friends and, and especially their teachers. I mean, we can't emphasize enough how much they love CDL. Uh, they love those teachers and so that was part, that was a really big part of our decision in addition to all the sort of health concerns and everything else. So tell us a little bit about what was new and different about the operations of this center than before COVID-19. Well, I mean, for, you know, of course the masking was a big thing, um, you know, especially it was concerned about how well like our two-year-olds would do with that. Um, um, they, they're amazing. They do really well. Kids, kids amaze you. They just put their masks on every morning. Um, you know, and there's, you know, safety precautions in place. So like parents don't go into the classroom. We sort of just drop at the door, um, which I, you know, it's really hard the first couple of times. Um, we're so used to sort of spending some time in the morning, just sort of saying hi to the teachers, getting the kids settled. And now it's just like, Hey, you're off. Um, so that was a big adjustment. Um, you know, the observation booths are closed. And if, if you're not familiar with the child development lab, they have observation booths so that the U of I students and people doing research and, and parents can, you know, observe their kids when they're at school and, and they don't know you're watching them, which is like totally amazing perspective to get. Um, and so I really miss that as a parent. Um, but, you know, I mean, for the kids, I feel like not that much is different. I mean, they don't share playgrounds with other groups. But, you know, they still see their friends, their activities are very similar. They still have their, you know, recess in their group time. I mean, they wear masks, they wash their hands a lot. And it's really the parents who I think have the biggest adjustment because we're, you know, to decrease the spread, we're really on the outskirts. When you're thinking about your concerns before you came back, you had a few. How were those concerns handled? I mean... Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, the administration, I feel like at, at CDL is, they're just really, they're great. They're really responsible. They 
you know, provide lots of emails and updates as they get them. Um, I think they're doing absolutely everything they can to keep everybody safe. And that's reassuring to us. Um, you know, like, like I said, I think, you know, as much as I'd love to be able to walk Julie into her classroom every day, make sure she's settled. Like, I understand that that's not the safest thing to do. And I think, you know, Brent and Lynn and all the people who make these decisions, so though they may be hard decisions to make, they're, they're safe. And um, so I think knowing that they have like the best interest of everybody in the front of their mind, we feel like, you know, our kids are at a good place and everybody's doing their best. You know, we're just sort of doing, doing our best. That is true. We are all doing our best. And sometimes that best is to change too. So as guidance has changed from the state and from the public health department, I know that um, CDL has also had to change too. And I think that flexibility, both from parents, teachers, and the directors has been pretty amazing to hear about, at least from my perspective, talking to both the teacher, the director, and now you as parents. Um, what our listeners don't know is that we have a third person on the line here, uh, actually a fourth person really, uh, and it's your youngest. So tell me why your youngest is here with us today. So Charlie, uh, I'm holding him, trying to bounce him and keep him quiet here. He's uh, smiling back at me, um, just having fun. He is home until next Friday uh, uh, out of precaution because uh, there was an exposure in his classroom in his little infant classroom. So this is the second time this has happened uh, since we've been back. It happened to Maeve um, uh, sometime towards the end of the summer, mm -hmm. I think. And, um, you know, so he's, he's home um, and the classroom is shut and the, and the, you know, the teachers and all the students are isolated uh, until the end of this period, which um, goes two weeks from the date of the exposure. So, and I think this exposure was picked up, you know, like so many things at U of I, I think it, it was through the testing regime um, that everybody is on, so. So that also must be a challenge to you as parents to sometimes have an additional child home with you that you expected to be in childcare. But at the same time, I would expect that would be a relief that the entire center is not closed, that it's just limited to that one exposure in one classroom. Yeah, and I think, you know, CDL makes a real effort to keep those classes sort of apart so that we can, you know, that's how they can, they can do it. So yeah, just Charlie's class being home um, is, is, you know, better for us than having, you know, Maeve and Julia also home for two weeks. Although we are, you know, acutely aware that like that could change any day. Like, you know, every time the phone rings is like, okay, is it Lynn? <laughs> you know, we know that everything is sort of just day by day, moment by moment. Um, and I mean, that's how we have to live. That's how everybody's living. And so, yeah, it's not easy. It's going to be a tough, um, you know, week and a half with our schedules, but this is the world we're living in. <laughs> It is the world we're living in. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you wanted to share about childcare and families during COVID-19? I think what, what, we, what we would also, what we've reflected on many times as, as we've been thinking about this conversation in advance is just how you know, grateful we are to the, to the CDL 
and to how they have managed this from, you know, obviously the period of when our, our kids were not at the CDL and they were making every effort to kind of keep some kind of continuity going. And again, that kind of contact that they gave to the kids through the Zoom meetings, which were, as Haley said, just so sweet. But then coming back and, and sort of managing it as professionally and they're, they, they just are a really special group of people and really great at what they do. And from the teachers to the administrators, we're just really grateful to them. And I think they're also really phenomenal at keeping sort of anxiety down because as a parent to three kids during a pandemic, you know, I can really have some anxious days. And I think just every time I walk into the building, everybody just seems calm and confident and like, you know, we've got this, we're doing our best, we know what we're doing. And it just feels really good because dropping your three kids off at a, you know, group care setting during a pandemic is anxiety producing for me. And I'm just really grateful to have the child development lab as the place I get to send my kids because I just think they're phenomenal. And, you know, Bob and I often joke about how the best thing about moving to Champaign-Urbana was getting to send our kids to CDL. So we just really are grateful and we feel for all the parents out there that are just, you know, get, get and by, <laughs> get and by. It just really shows you how important childcare is and how important those teachers and the directors and the centers are. So that's really something I think that's come of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. And for the final question, do you see any positive changes that have come out of COVID and childcare? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, again, it just makes me reflect on how lucky we are to have such a beautiful, wonderful situation with CDL and how important, like you said, you know, teachers and administrators are to life, you know, I mean, they really, it's, it's incredible. Um, and I'm so grateful for that team over there. Um, I think COVID-19 has just, you know, personally made me realize how um, important family is. And, you know, we miss seeing our family and our, and our friends. And so, you know, we don't have that sort of team that helps us parent, you know, we don't get to see the grandparents and get to see our friends who help us, you know, have fun on the weekends. So, you know, it's, we've just been learning a lot about, you know, parenting alone. Um, but yeah, I think it's been, there, there have been a lot of moments that have been really special too. So. And just to build on what Haley's saying there, if, you know, in terms of the silver lining of this, if this, you know, helps people in their awareness of the importance of childcare and then begins conversations that need to happen, uh, you know, more broadly throughout our society about how to do a better job at this because we're in this really lucky position, but obviously we understand that and, and hopefully this has just made people uh, like us and everybody else aware of, you know, not everybody has these lucky situations. So it's a really important political conversation and just conversation about our society that, that I think this has sparked. Yeah, for sure. So I want to thank both of you for being on our podcast, the Illinois Early Learning Podcast. And for our listeners, remember that this podcast was the third in a three-part series on childcare during COVID-19. Part one focused on childcare during COVID from the perspective of a director. Part two focused on the perspective of a teacher. 
and now part three focused on perspective of parents. So we delved really deep into this topic of COVID and childcare. And until next time, thank you and keep early learning at the forefront. You have just heard a podcast by the Illinois Early Learning Project. For more information, please visit us at illinoisearlylearning.org, where you can find evidence-based, reliable information on early care and education for parents, caregivers, and teachers of young children. Thanks for listening and for helping the children in your home, classroom, and community have a strong start in their early learning.